I'm feeling weepy listening to Teen Challenge. They get me every time. Um, they get me every time because their story is our story, if we're part of God's story, which is kings turned to thieves turned to kings. If you could open with me to Ephesians 4.28. Ephesians 4.28. So we've been walking through Ephesians together. um, And I think it was a divine providence that Teen Challenge is here as we we look at, at what Paul has to say to the Ephesians and what God has to say to us in Ephesians 4.28. Let the thief no longer steal... But rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The word of God is powerful. There's a context to Ephesians 4.28. The context to Ephesians 4.28 is not a 19-year-old stealing Ferragamo belts from the mall. The context for Ephesians 4.28 is not 45-year-old CEOs stealing millions of dollars and hiring the right accountants, the right lawyers to continue with their thievery. The context for Ephesians 4.28 is not a Facebook ad with Donald Trump's face on it, saying that he's going to restore family values, make people great again. It's not a Facebook ad with Joe Biden's face on it saying he's going to tax corporate greed and, and bring America back to a place of equality. The context for Ephesians 4.28 is that Jesus Christ transforms thieves. The context for Ephesians 4.28 is the story of the Bible. Jesus Christ transforming thieves into kings and queens of generosity. The stories that you heard today are illustrations of this reality. The story begins in Genesis 1.26. God said, let us make man in our image. The reason why God said, let us, is because he's speaking to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit. He's speaking within himself. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. God bestows kingship, dominion on human beings. He gives them the power to have high, be at the top of the hierarchy of his created order. With the word of his mouth, suddenly human beings are kings and queens of creation. 
In Genesis 2.19, we read, Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The word that created man, the word that created the whole universe, has now been transferred to human beings. Human beings now have the potential to name identity into the created order. They're called to name things. They're called to give things order. God has bestowed the agency, the the power to change through just his word. God spoke and it was there. He's given that to human beings. And what does it, what happens? Genesis 3. Human beings twist the truth of God. Human beings are silent when it's time to speak. Within generations, God was thwarting humanity's attempts to compete with him. He was sending floods and fire to stave off the rebellion of human beings. This book is different. This book is a lot different than the books that we can get at Barnes & Noble. I mean, we can get this book here. We can get good books. I've read two self-help books in the last month. None of those books told me that human rebellion is the cause of the fall in the world. Those books tell me to look inward. The Bible says that inward, we're lost. The Bible says in Judges 21-25, this was after God had had called his people out of slavery. These are God's people. And and he had brought them to the, the promised land. The Bible says in those days there was no king in Israel. God had led them out of slavery. No king. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. This is the context that we're, we're the overall context of of kings into thieves. And maybe you're saying, well, I'm not a thief. I've never stolen or can't be that bad. You gotta understand this is across the board in the Bible. Isaiah, maybe the the foremost prophetic voice in Scripture, he says it like this: All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus Christ comes down in the midst of this rebellion. He lives a perfectly obedient life. And they hang him on a tree. The book of Luke says that as he's hanging there, there's two criminals on either side of him. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. 
And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. See, the context for all scripture is that Jesus transforms thieves. Jesus, by the power of his cross, declares this repentant criminal remembered. In Ephesians 2.16, the same letter that we're in today, Paul states that Jesus died so he can reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. The hostility between us and God is destroyed in the place of Jesus. And the same mouth that created the whole world now declares us righteous by faith. This is the context of Scripture. Paul says it like this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works lest any man should boast. Look, this is the book talking. This is not just my opinion. It's not, uh, we're not coming to the text with our own context. We're saying, God, what would you have for us today? Jesus Christ transforms sinners. So that's the context for Ephesians 4.28. Now let's look at what a transformed thief looks like. In 1960, Willie Wood was trying out for Vince Lombardi's Green Bay Packers. Wood was a rarity in those days. He was an African-American quarterback at USC. He was a good athlete, but didn't quite have the arm strength to make it in the NFL, so Lombardi had him try out for his, his defensive side. That's a big transition going from a, a college quarterback, which is an offensive position, into a defensive position in the NFL. He was the last man to make the team. In his first game against the Baltimore Colts, the all-pro tight end, Raymond Berry, torched him for two touchdowns. He was in the game, got burned for two touchdowns, gave up two touchdowns because he's on defense now, and was out of the game just like that. When he uh, got back on the bus, uh, some of the other players were grumbling, and they said, Woods, you don't have a chance. You might as well stay here. Wood was from D.C. You might as well stay here because you're not going to make it back to Green Bay. Wood said, I thought my pro career was ended. They were the worst boo-boos I ever made. I figured my mistakes lost the game. It was at that time, throughout those jeers, that Lombardi overheard and he went up to Wood on the bus, and he said, don't you believe anything these fellas say? Every one of those guys making fun of you has had the same thing happen to them. You're going to be here as long as I'm here. See, I believe that some of us today, we've placed our faith in Jesus. We believe that he's, he's declared us righteous, and yet we're more focused on our mistakes than we are on, on what he's done for us. We're more focused on the fact that we've had some quote-unquote boo-boos 
than the fact that Jesus Christ is declaring us righteous. That Jesus Christ is declaring us a part of the team, right? And that changes everything. Wood went on to, to be a pro bowler eight times. He started more consecutive games at the defensive back position of safety than any player ever. When he had the confidence of the coach, it changed his whole perspective. He became one of the hardest working players on the team. Right now, Jesus is offering full confidence in him. You just need to ask him to be your coach. You need to ask him to be your savior. You need to, by faith, say, Lord, your word declares me righteous, not my deeds, not what I do on the field. What the coach says matters. Forget the jurors. This is the story of Peter, right? John 21, 7, that disciple whom Jesus loved, John himself, he talked about himself like that. Therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. So just for context here, Peter had just betrayed Jesus three times at the cross. Three times he had betrayed him. But Jesus kept coming for him. That's what Jesus does. And what did Peter did? do? He threw himself into the sea. When he saw that Jesus doesn't stop coming, when he saw that not even the cross could defeat Jesus, what did Peter do? He dove into the sea. Jesus is coming for us. I'm telling you, he doesn't stop. Some of these ladies are testimonies to this. We heard stories today from the point they were little girls making mistakes, combination of just environment, nature, what, what have you, and yet Jesus just had his hand on them over and over again. This is the story of Jesus. He changes us. And Peter became one of the hardest workers we know in Scripture. He established the church in Jerusalem. And, and not only that, but he worked hard on himself. He worked hard to ameliorate the racism that was in his heart. All because he saw that Jesus was not giving up on him. Jesus is not giving up on you today. When we see that Jesus doesn't give up on us, it causes us to work hard. Transform thieves work hard. That's what we do. We can't help it. It's too much fun. I had... Anyway, I had some notes, but... Oh. Sorry. Transformed thieves work hard. Now, the reality is, in American culture, hard work to us is about getting respect and getting money. That's what it means to work hard. I don't think that's the context that Paul wants us to approach this scripture with. I think he wants us to think of hard work as that which glorifies God. He's calling us to work hard in ways that are just altogether different. See, Paul's talking about thieves, and you might be in a workplace where you're surrounded by thieves, and you're saying little prayers all day where you're like, God, why are there thieves in my workplace? And I just believe what God's trying to tell us is there's thieves in our workplace because we're reformed thieves and we have the power, the declarative power to transform thieves just with the word of God. 
own hands. Transform thieves, give generously. Paul says that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Transform thieves, give generously because they have everything they need. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We don't have to steal in our workplaces. We don't have to uh, step on someone else's back to climb the corporate ladder because we have everything we need in the riches of Jesus. I mean, we have an inheritance that is so great. We have streets of gold that we're looking forward to. Our, our riches in Christ, it's like an offshore bank account that no one's going to touch. No one can touch what we have in God. If this becomes the focus of our lives, then money is not going to rule us, right? And this is the acid test, right? What do we do with our money, right? This is, this is what we see in Scripture, God pointing us to often. And, and it shows just, did this gospel take root? If, if you're not giving money till it hurts, I'm going to advise you to do so. <laughs> I'm going to advise you to do so because Paul says things like, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. See, Paul suffered, and every time he suffered, you know what he saw? He saw Jesus Christ on the cross. He said, wow, that you would count me worthy to know you in your sufferings. If we aren't giving to the point that it hurts, if we're not if we're not giving of ourselves, of our money to the point that it hurts, how are we going to know Jesus at the cross? How are we going to? We live in a country in which we can be so insulated from the reality of poverty. Honestly, I, and, and to be fair, there's real poverty. There's real uh, malnutrition in this country right now. There's real poverty in this neighborhood. But poverty of spirit is a disease in America. Poverty of, of, of spirit, of thinking, that if we accumulate wealth, we're somehow accumulating a foundation for a good life. That's got nothing for us. So the acid test is to give generously to anyone in need. I'm going to sing one song uh, with you. But before I do that, I just want to encourage you, if you haven't found your confidence, your identity in Jesus, I just want to encourage you to see yourself as a repentant thief. Understand that the, the repentant convict story is our story, that, that God's calling us to see ourselves as, as rebels, and, and he's calling us to see our identity, not in our rebellion, but in what Jesus Christ did right next to us. He came and he died the consequences of rebellion. And, and if we place our faith in that, then the declarative word of Jesus Christ says, you are righteous. And so I just want to encourage all of us to do that 
today. And we're going to respond with the song Amazing Grace. Simple song. Let's make it our life song. It's our motivation to work hard. It's our motivation to give generously. So let's sing it.